Hey, everyone. This is Chris Ryan from The Ringer. As many of you have heard by now, we lost a treasured colleague and friend over the weekend. Jonathan Charks passed away on Saturday. John was 34. He leaves behind a wife and a son, and we are obviously mourning his loss and sending all of our love to his family right now. If you go to theringer.com slash Jonathan Charks, that's J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N-T-J-A-R-K-S, you will find a memorial page for John, which has links to his GoFundMe that benefits his family and the amazing writing he did throughout his experience. I encourage you to go there, and if you can, please support the Charks family. Briefly, I will just say that John was among the first people that we hired to work for The Ringer, so he was instrumental in defining the voice and perspective of the site. He has as much to do with what this place is as anyone else. And throughout his experience with cancer, John communicated eloquently about the challenges he was facing, both through his writing and his podcasting. You could never stop John from talking about his passions. It's one of the things I loved about him. Over the last few months, you know, whenever we would talk, whenever I would reach out to see how he was doing, I would try to keep it very John-focused. And the next thing I knew, we would be talking about James Harden or Better Call Saul. He really loved this stuff. Uh, he loved talking about it, celebrating it, debating it, illuminating it. We're going to keep putting out our pods and writing while we grieve, but we wanted to let folks know that John was in our hearts and that his family was in our thoughts. Thanks for listening. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on Cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Welcome to Slow News NFL Mondays with Kevin Clark and Lindsay Jones making her Slow News Day debut. She'll be here every Monday. She'll probably be here, be here on some Fridays as well. Lindsay, what's going on, buddy? I'm pumped. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. Uh, longtime listener, first time guest. Um, <laughs> this is very exciting. You know, I was always waiting to get my Sony Day invite. Um, and basically, I had to become an employee of the ringer to uh, to do so. But here we are. It was fun. It was a really fun That's week. That's a recruiting so. pitch. That's a recruiting pitch. Um, it was a chaotic week one. I'm only the, the, the thing to do here is to if if there was so much chaos in week one, that only the only things that matter are the things that confirmed your priors. Like, that's it. I was thinking about it. I was like, anytime something that like a playoff team, like the Dolphins, I think they make the playoffs. I'm like, well, this is sustainable. But then like the Bengals, I'm like, whoa, 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 hold on. Hold on. It's week one here. So there's a lot to get to with with regards to that. And I want to preface this by saying that the number one seeds last year uh, in the playoffs, one of them lost by 35 points to the Saints. One of them lost by 25 points to the Cardinals in week one last year. So I'm going to contradict myself a bunch of times. And we're going to try to make this as... Um, as meaningful as possible because there are some things we can really, 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 really read into or will be a storyline and some things that won't be. And we will make that clear as we go through here. But week one is chaotic. It is beautiful. It is wonderful. It's so great to have football back. Uh, some of these things are real. Some of these are not. The format of this Monday, Lindsay Jones, will be our big picture takeaways from Sunday going into next week, uh, what this all looks like. Um, I'm so I'm so happy to do it with you. It's going to be such a good week because a good, good season because you are among the best NFL media at coming up with big picture takeaways. Well, this is what's really fun, right? Because you know we we watch all the games. We were texting until late in the night about some of the dumpster fires that were going on in the NFL, and now you know we got a night to sleep on it for a couple hours. And your daughter, who thought the TB on the Tampa Bay score bug stood for ta- uh, Taco Bell, and she might not be wrong. 
So they will for now, for forever be known as the Taco Bell Buccaneers. And I'm fine with that. So in week two, the Bengals will play the Cowboys. Now the Bengals are going to win because Dak Prescott is out for six to eight weeks and Cooper Rush is not very good. Um, But I think that that matchup speaks to what week two is going to be, which is a couple of teams matching up and figuring out whether or not their season is on the track they thought it was. The Cowboys will not be. The Bengals is still to be determined. We're going to do a Bengals segment after we do the Cowboys. The Cowboys, on the other hand, uh, are looking at a lost season. And I don't think that that's one of those things where we have to, to withhold judgment on. Uh, they may have been looking at a lost season coming into this game because before Dak Prescott had a thumb injury and then required surgery, which, by the way, Jerry Jones announced before Mike McCarthy could even get to the podium. Uh, just classic Cowboys. Um, I'll tell you what, no other, no other franchise has that, is, is the, the owner declaring that the quarterback is going to have surgery before the coach talks. Um, but even before all of that happened, I was looking at this Cowboys team and saying, this is a complete and total mess. Um, they had scored three points through three quarters. They had a couple of successes. Micah Parsons had a 60% pass rush win rate at one point. Uh, Josh Wells was a really bad matchup once uh, Donovan Smith went out on the on the Bucks offensive line. They shipped it with Leonard Fournette, but, but Parsons was still disruptive. But they were just not good enough to compete with the Tampa Bay team. That's not, by the way, not like they're a juggernaut. Tampa Bay is not like a 100% complete team. They had holes you could exploit. The the, the the Cowboys just couldn't do it. And when I look at this roster, I think about how much they're missing Collins, Cooper, um, and all the leaks about how they weren't professional or how they, they wanted, you know, they, they, Jerry Jones kept talking about availability at one point when you're talking about the offseason. Um, but this is a, a roster that came in incomplete. And with Dak Prescott entering the era where he should be peaking, this was a complete failure at every single level. And I think, Lindsey Jones, before we get into the actual kind of what we saw, uh, I think Jerry Jones needs to have built his last team. Because if you're Dak Prescott and you are a top 10 quarterback, and by the way, you know, even though Shannon Sharp got mad at Stephen Ruiz for saying that, he is a top 10 quarterback. You should compete every single year. And to embarrass yourself like this at home in week one is a failure at every single level. The Cowboys have four more primetime games and six more national games. The most valuable person in the Cowboys organization this year is going to be the guy who flexes games out so that nobody sees this, Lindsey Jones. And you know that's not going to happen because people are going to watch it. And all they care about is like viewership numbers. So we're we're stuck. And I do recall you may have committed to go do a Cowboys game in a couple of weeks. I'm going to mark that down. Against the Red Hot gonna, Giants. <laughs> the Red Hot Giants, which we'll get to the Giants here uh, in, in a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, we were, you know, talking about this last night as this game was happening live. And okay, well, so now what's going on with the quarterback situation? You know, I'm obviously very interested in what's going on with the head coaching situation. Like, should this be, you know, how hot is Mike McCarthy's seat going to be now? And I think you're absolutely right about the team building aspect here because, um, you know, this is the way that Jerry Jones built this roster, the way that he decided to invest his own money, the way that he decided to play pay players and then got themselves into a situation where they had a pretty narrow window to win and it didn't happen. And they had to start breaking this team down. And that window was kind of, I, I, well, now I think we can say that it's closed, um, especially yeah. if Dak Prescott is going to miss six to eight weeks. But um, I think the thing that's lost in all of the Dak panic is kind of like you mentioned, how bad they were for 54 minutes before he Mm -hmm. got injured and before he actually ended up leaving that game. And there was a lot of reason to be panicking um, in Dallas. And look, they're going to play some defenses that are not as good as what the Bucs were playing last night. Um, You know, I think the Bucs defense carried them in that game. The Bucs offense was fine, right? It was like Lamar, uh, it was Tom Brady and Leonard Fournette. It was fine, right? Yeah. I just, it, it's just really disappointing because the NFC East is super winnable, but every other team in that division won yesterday. And now the Cowboys are last in that division after one week. And it's hard to see a path for them to, to being competitive, not just to even like what I mean, I, I, I can't believe some of the conversations I saw. Maybe they should, they should trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. I heard was one of them. Maybe I would, someone said Mason Rudolph. What are you talking about? What are they going to do? They weren't going to win with Dak freaking Prescott. Now all of a sudden they're going to win with Mason Rudolph. Like, I just don't understand the thought process here. Yeah, no, Dak maybe you is, shouldn't have traded away Amari Cooper and you should have 
found a way to fortify your offensive line. And and, and I I agree. You and I have been around this game long enough to know oftentimes, oftentimes when a team gets rid of a player like that for no reason, uh, there's normally some either scheme reason or they think you can't run anymore. There's a locker room problem. There's like a whole slew of things. A, I don't think that was necessarily uh, there was there was anything that that met the threshold there for for to get rid of both those guys for for basically nothing. And B, okay, if you want to do the what's the old Chip Kelly line, culture eats talent for breakfast, fine. Then have a culture. Then have a culture or a backup plan that that gets you in position. Dak was too good to waste a season, and now we've already seen that they were going to waste a season, so you might as well give up on it. I was astounded to see, including some of our dear colleagues, say, ooh, Bryce Young might be in play now. C.J. Stroud might be in play now. Like, no, no. People to help Dak Prescott is in play. So, yeah. uh yeah, I, I I don't, you know, Jerry Jones was asked after the game if this was the worst opener he's ever had. Uh, he said 1989, which is his first opener uh, as an owner, was worse. So, you know, congratulations on not having the worst owner, uh, worst opener. Mike McCarthy's not going to solve anything. Mike McCarthy, I guess the the idea was that he's he's going to be the, um, you know, he was a good a good coach for a, a talented roster. Well, the roster's not talented anymore, or if it ever was, let's just let's just blow this whole thing up. Let's just start. You know, get a new coach who's going to maximize Dak. Take the pieces, maximize them. You have superstars on this roster. Um, there's a massive chasm as we're talking about in Week One between the teams I trust and the teams I don't. I don't trust the Cowboys to do anything right in 2022. Well, that's a take. We were. I I, I wasn't sure if we were going to overreact here uh, on Monday morning How, after he's Week out One. For, <laughs> Dak Prescott's out for eight weeks, and they were going to look terrible without him. Like, I don't, this is the one, the one of the reasons I'm going so hard on this is like, this is the one thing I can definitively say everything else. Like we just saw both of our buddies, Nate Tice, was just tweeting about, you you can't make definitive declarations about the Niners bears game because it was played in a monsoon with two young quarterbacks. Right? Well, that's correct. But this is Dak Prescott is what? He's 29 years old. He's on a second contract. Like he, he should be competing. I mean, listen, by the way, I'm going to make a similar comment about, the Cardinals a little later, but like, where are we in this progression here? This is, this was a, we, th- there are some teams who are who we thought they were. And the fact that Dak Prescott gets, um, gets hurt and everything gets off track. Like there's no, there, there will be no miracles in Dallas. Yeah. We, I think the one thing that we just have to keep remembering is that they were off track before Dak got hurt. Yes. And that just throws them even further off of the rails and throws the rest of the season further into question. Uh, anything else on the Bucks before we move on? No, I mean, fine. I'm not, I'm not like, I wasn't excited by them, but I'm also not worried by them. You know, I, I think they'll be fine. I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not feeling great about them as like my NFC Super Bowl pick after one week, but I think ultimately they'll be fine. They have a soft schedule next week. They play the Saints and then it really picks up with the Packers and Chiefs back to back. After that, it, it kind of smooths out with the Falcons, Steelers, Panthers, um, and then Ravens Rams. So like there are some, some landmines on this schedule. I'm intrigued to see it. Listen, they're going to make the playoffs. They're probably going to win the division. I wasn't all that impressed yesterday with, with, with anybody that I saw. Um, Tom Brady, again, it's enough to give you a floor. I wish you could say the same thing right now about Dak Prescott. Um, all right. Should we move on? Yes, 49ers Bears go. to that monsoon yeah. game? Yeah. Where we have so takeaways he- from a game you can't have takeaways with? Yeah, well, uh, one takeaway is like, what the hell is going on with Chicago's stadium? Like, that's that's a you know a huge other takeaway. But we don't need to get into stadium politics. And should the Bears have a roof and move to Arlington? That's a different podcast, right? Um, but it doesn't I think have he, to be because the roof is a stupid idea. Maybe just don't let your field flood. Can we figure that part out? Maybe have a better solution than squeegees. I mean, they were like squeegeeing I, the shit out of that field in the middle of the game. And it just, was I'm ready not... to believe anything about the, the Bears field. Remember, there was an Elton John concert a couple of weeks ago that ruined everything for a couple of weeks. And then they replaced all the grass last week and then it's still flooded. So wonderful. Wonderful. Here, here, here a, we are. In the 95 Orange Bowl, uh, there was a story about how there was a circus the night before at the stadium. And so there was a TV report, and I, I remember this vividly because it was one of the first games I ever watched. There was a TV report about how they thought they were not going to play Tommy Frazier because he was too short. And they were on some snaps, like if it was in an elephant track, 
they would go with the backup quarterback because Tommy Frazier, like in the in, would be in an elephant, I guess, print, and that would that would make him even shorter. But then I looked it up a couple of weeks ago because I vividly remember this, and Tom Tom Osborne may have been joking about this. But having said that, if there's one turf in the NFL right now that will have elephant tracks, I'm ready to believe it'd be the Bears and probably elephant shit also yeah that's where 100 percent. that's where i thought this story was going but i'm sure but, there was i'm sure there is on the bears field right now we just haven't seen it <laughs> all right but let's move into the actual uh takeaways from that game and yes i don't want to draw any like sweeping conclusions about you know trey lance's future as a quarterback um because yeah it was really hard to evaluate when you're playing in a monsoon i'm more worried about the Niners defense and this overall sloppiness of that game and how uh, undisciplined they look. I think they had almost, almost a hundred yards of penalties in that game. And, you know, they kind of said all the stuff after, right? Like we beat ourselves and you can't win a game when you're giving an off. You know, I think it was Nick Bosa said, you know, 15 yards is a lot of, is a lot to give a team that can't move the ball. And he was right. Right. I mean, the, the bears were not some sort of juggernaut here. I mean, I think the bears offense had a lot of the concerns that we were expecting them to have. I'm much more worried about kind of just the Niners overall effort and execution in that game. Mm. And I do have concerns about, you know, some of Trey Lance's decision making and, um, you know, his interception that he threw was a really bad interception and it took mm-hmm. them out of it, it. It eliminated their chance to come back and win that game. You know, he locked in on a receiver. It was just one of those young quarterback mistakes that you cannot make. Um, but yeah, this was like a it was just disheartening to me because I, we looked at the Niners, I think, and said, this is a really good defense. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens with Trey Lance, that this defense is going to keep them in games. It's going to make them um, competitive. They're going to win games because of their defense. And one of those games you have to win is play against the bears and against Justin Fields and a bears team that is really not very good. And um, that, that was what was disappointing to me in that game. Sure. I want to interrogate this because so Jay Glazer had the report before the game that Shanahan and John Lynch asked 15 team leaders to make sure that they had Trey Lance's back because Jimmy Garoppolo's got a lot of friends in the locker room. I bet, I bet he has a lot of friends among those 15 leaders, knowing what I know um, about just that just that locker room and how popular Jimmy is. It just it just happens. If you go to a Super Bowl with the guy, you make connections. That's what it is. Um, he made couple bad passes. Um, obviously, the, the Eddie Jackson thing probably wishes he had back. But let's hold off on any sort of quarterback. I mean, Justin Fields threw 17 passes, completed eight of them. Trey Lance threw 28 passes, completed 20, 13 of them. Um, this was not a banner day for, for either guy. 121 yards for Fields, 164 yards for Trey Lance. Like, let's hold off uh, given the conditions. But do you have any concerns about if this drags on that the locker room starts to say, what are we doing? Because Jason Garrett on Sunday Night Football kind of hinted at it. Tony Dungy tried to hint at it. Um, at some point, you just say, hey, we have we have a guy here. Yeah, I mean, I want to see where we're at in a month yes, I agree. Or, or, or two months if this is like, you know, stacking bad performances or if they're losing games because of Trey Lance. If we're seeing progress, you know, if, it's, if there are a lot of competitive games and he's giving them... Uh, you know, some really dynamic elements, but then at some point he's going to take a downfield shot or you know, he's going to fumble on a big scramble or something like some of those things I think we could maybe forgive, but if they're specifically losing games because of Trey Lance in a month, um, that's when I think we, we, we do start getting concerned about it. And that was the danger that they had when they decided to bring yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo back. Like, yes, this insurance that if he gets hurt, you're going to have a really good backup quarterback situation, you know, much better than what Dallas, for example, is dealing with right now. But the danger is, uh, Guys in the guys get it in the locker room, right? They they know if a guy is good or not, a guy if a guy is going to help you win or not. And I think the Niners, especially a lot of their their veteran leaders, right? Like there's guys that are in contract years, like Nick Bosa. Mm-hmm. There's guys that are, you know, probably trying to play for their one chance at a ring, like Trent Williams, right? That they're in. They understand the slim margins here and how close they could potentially be to to winning if Trey Lance is the guy. But I think they also know that if he's not the guy, like they don't want to be part of this like long-term development process for Trey Lance. So that, I guess that's my, my ultimate concern. I don't think this is something that we should be entirely worried about week one or week two. Like, no. Oh, are you upset about Trey Lance? But it's something that is going to be out there and lingering for weeks. 
I completely agree with you. It's a great point. I think the Niners are in a really tough spot because of exactly what you described, which is you have to have patience for Trey Lance. You have to have patience. The entire history of quarterbacks getting better is patience, letting them settle in. Everybody makes mistakes early on in their NFL career. And I, I mean, he was, this was his first game as the sort of anointed starter. So patience for Trey Lance, but you can't extend the same grace to the 2022 Niners. Like yeah. that's the problem is that you're being dropped into a team that, that can conceivably, I mean, when you look at last year, can, can, can conceivably compete for a Super Bowl. Some people pick them to make the Super Bowl. And so I think that you have, if you're preaching patience for Trey Lance, you're not preaching patience for the 2022 Niners and vice versa. Like, um, so I, I, I just, I think it's, you know, David Lombardi, who covers the team for the athletic made the point, this game confirmed that Trey Lance isn't good enough to overcome 12 penalties in a monsoon. Right. Uh, But he makes the point. They already knew that. Like we already knew what the ceiling was on Trey Lance. So I'm not sure I learned anything about Trey Lance, even if this was in normal conditions and he had a bad game, I'd say, okay, so what? Like, you have to yeah. give him a, a, a long leash. That's why I thought the, the Jimmy Grapple thing was so stupid. That's why I kind of think, I'm like, is there an argument from the Niners side to just give Jimmy Grapple to Dallas? Dallas is going to suck anyway. Yeah, or we'll see what happens with Mac Jones' back in New England. But I mean, yeah. I think that part of it was like, I think that was part of, okay, we'll, we'll keep him here and maybe there will be trade value for him moving forward. There was clearly no trade value for him at the end of August, but maybe there will be. Um, but they clearly didn't want to just give him away. So we'll see if, you know, Jerry Jones has been reckless with his spending in the past. So um, who's to say he doesn't go uh, go and throw something out there. Um, but I guess I will, you know, when we're talking about Trey Lance, I will say that there were moments like where you could see like, okay, even in this, these really crappy weather conditions, like he had one really nice drive, right. Where he had, he kind of had a, a, a nice long, it was like a 30 something yard completion down the left sideline. He had a nice long scramble. And of course, then they couldn't punch it in, in the end zone, but he had one drive where you're saying like, okay, you're seeing his mobility you're seeing his ability to kind of push the ball downfield. Some of the things that were missing from the Jimmy Garoppolo offense. And I just want to see them build on that. Um, they play the Seahawks next week. Um, we haven't gotten to see the Seahawks yet. We don't, we haven't seen exactly what their new overhaul defense is going to look like. We'll learn a little bit more about that on Monday night against the Broncos. Um, and then they've got a Sunday night game in Denver against the Broncos, uh, where everybody is going to get to see, uh, Trey Lance. So I, that, those are kind of, I mean, those are two pretty big games, um, and a pretty big referendum, I think over the next couple of weeks for where Trey Lance is. I think that we've all, I I will, I'm going to get out of this, get us out of here on, on this, which is that with the segment is that I, I do think we've gotten a lot smarter about when is crisis mode for a team. And like, I feel like maybe 10 years ago, there would be so much like, like, uh, you know, the, the heat is on, like it's, it's, you know, he's got one game to save his job, whatever, very talk radio. I don't think the talk radio drives a narrative anymore in that, in that regard. And I do think that there will be, there will be patience with Trey Lance. And I think that, um, that's, that's the most important thing right now is, is Kyle Shanahan. I know this is the most cliche of the cliche, but he's got to ignore the outside world right now and just just hone in on making him better every single week. All right, let's go to another NFC North team. Um, we talked about the Bears and their surprising win. Uh, the Green Bay Packers had a surprising loss. The Minnesota Vikings, I guess it wasn't that surprising because Justin Jefferson, we knew he was one of the best receivers in football. Um, you know, who didn't appear to know that Justin Jefferson was one of the best receivers in football is the Green Bay Packers and Joe Barry. Um, because I do think... Again, word of caution that the Green Bay Packers lost by 35 points in week one. Aaron Rodgers was asked about that. And he said, you know, it wasn't as bad because we scored four more points, which is a great way to look at it. They scored three points last year. They scored seven points this year. Um, Two things that worried me that I think will get fixed. Number one is that, as I said, they did not. They did a very, very poor job on Justin Jefferson. Part of that was Jair Alexander was not on him on every play. They wanted to play zone. Uh, Jefferson averaged four yards via Kevin Seifert. Jefferson averaged four yards of separation on his 11 targets on his 64 yard haul, which by the way, Jefferson could not believe that Jerry Alexander was not on him for that play on his 64 yard haul. There was not a defender within 10 yards. So I guess nobody was on him. I guess is the way is the way you could say it. Um, Jerry Alexander or anybody. Although it looked like Tom Silverstein said it looked like Jair was supposed to be with him on that play. And, and also being with him, it's very hard to play Justin to shadow Justin Jefferson because of the way they move him around 
in that offense. He played a bunch of different places. I think he had a snap in the backfield, slot, outside, all of that stuff. He's in motion all the time. I think he was in pre-snap motion on seven snaps, targeted on four of those, uh, including a touchdown pass. And so the Packers defense worried me in that regard. I mean, what are you going to do? Switch to to Nick Saban's defense, play Ripley's match, and just have man-to-man on one receiver? Like, I don't know... I, I don't know if I have any notes for the Packers defense except make sure one of the be- one of the top three receivers in football, maybe top one at the end of this season, who came on the Ring Around NFL show and said he would be number one at the end of this season. Um, Justin Jefferson is is accounted for. Let that be a, a memo to the Eagles defensive coaching staff. We'll get to see them on Monday Night Football. I'm, I'm pumped to get to see Jeff- Justin Jefferson in a primetime game. Uh, Against the Eagles. Week two, that'll be that'll be really fun. The Eagles a who team. just gave up like a gazillion points to the Lions, but and, and he already has. You know, there's obviously some history there, some draft history with the Eagles. That's intriguing to me. Yeah, I'm I'm excited about that. That'll be a fun matchup. But uh, yeah, I'm trying to decide how much like what my level of panic on the Packers is going to be. Right, history, like you mentioned, shows us that maybe we shouldn't be concerned. They lost very badly in week one last year. And I think a lot of us were ready to go, what mm-hmm. the hell is going on um, with the Packers? But there there was this sense, at least last year, that like, okay, there's still really elite talent here. And you just have to have to think that this was a bad day and Rodgers and Devontae Adams are going to figure it out. But the body language was bad. And we've spent a lot of years, right, being Aaron Rodgers' body language experts and watching yeah, him on the sidelines and listening to him, uh, what he says in his post-game press conferences and stuff. But that was rough yesterday. And, you know, the biggest question that we've had about them is what are they going to do to replace Devontae Adams? And at what point will these young receivers earn the Aaron Rodgers' trust? Dillon. Yikes. Yeah, he was their leading receiver, right? He was in receptions. He had five. I mean, they tried to make a Christian Watson, but he dropped a pass on the first deep shot of the game. Yeah. And, you know, Rogers kind of afterwards said all this stuff about, you know, you know, drops are going to happen and guys are young and they're developing. And he was like, but it's unfortunate it happened in the first play of the game and uh, his, his first touch of the game. And yeah, that's that's unfortunate because these guys need Aaron Rodgers needs to be able to trust these guys. And when you blow it on a big stage in week one, it's, it's going to be hard. Um, I still think that ultimately they will be Okay, you know, I'm but I I if I had picked them to win the Super Bowl, I don't I don't know anybody who might have picked them to win the Super Bowl. I Kevin feel great Clark. about that. You feel great, I feel great okay. about it. I feel, I feel great, great about, about my Bill's Super Bowl pick, but that's here's fine. my only thought. And and we're gonna this is gonna be a constant theme of September, is there's gonna be teams that know they're gonna be in the playoffs and take a long term view of things. September, October, Belichick and Pete Carroll did this for years. Where it was about, it was a bit, it was a feeling out process. And that means health, frankly, with the extra game. And so the fact that David Bakhtiari was held out, Jenkins was held out, Alan Lazar didn't play. I don't really know the status of that injury, whether or not it's going to be long term. I mean, Bakhtiari and Jenkins, it was more of a, hey, we're just being cautious here. We think he's, they're ready to go kind of thing. Um, but those three guys being out matters to the offense. And you saw Aaron Rodgers on, on, on the ground a couple of times. Um, they had the Bears this week, which is in a, a pretty important Hornet sort of marker for, for the rest of, of, of A, the, the rest of the early part of the season in the NFC North, and B, whether or not this was just kind of a blip. Um, I, at the same, on the same token, if the Vikings win this week, like we should be talking about them as a playoff team. Like Kevin O'Connell, we yeah. talked about this on uh, last week with, with, with Ruiz. Like Kevin O'Connell... Seems like a good coach. I really like him. I spent some time talking to him about Kirk Cousins, how much they enjoyed it. And the idea of Kirk Cousins just not being hated by the head coach, that's that's enough of a bump to where you, you might have enough talent there um, spread out. And so, you know, from from an offensive standpoint, I, I, I trust Aaron Rodgers to work this out. I don't, I, I'm going to give the Packers the absolute benefit of the doubt because A, they've been here before in the situation. B, they, they know what they're, they're, aiming for. And I keep, I keep going back to the conversation now with Matt LaFleur for that story I wrote where he said that Sean McVay told him it's like March Madness. And if you're gearing up for March Madness, you're not gearing up for, you know, if you're St. John's in November game against DePaul, okay? Like, it's a different sport. And I kind of think that, and this is not excuse-making, this is not cope, this is not anything. Um, I would certainly rip the Packers if, if I felt they deserved it. I just think we need to uh, be be cautious here, but also understand that yesterday was brutal. They're going to win by like 30 points on Sunday night against the bears. I don't know. I'm like, I, I, I can't tell 
what after a game like this, what the best week two opponent is? Because I was thinking like the Seahawks have the 49ers. And so that's good news for Trey Lance, but it's also terrible news because if he doesn't play well against the Seahawks, that is like going from a, a two to a nine on the crisis scale. And I feel like the Packers had that with the Bears. I, I that's that's the true, Bears are much right? better than the Seahawks, by the way. If yeah. if they if they lose to the Bears next week, we will be having the panic button crisis conversation talk exactly seven weeks from today. Next next Monday morning, <laughs> I just don't see a possibility of that happening. I think the Bears win while like a you know we just talked about all the messiness with the Niners and stuff. While it was a nice little feel good story and those pictures of Justin Fields slip and slide and stuff, that's great. Nice little like happy moment in Chicago. Aaron Rodgers is going to kick their ass next week. I just, I just don't see any way that Rodgers does not get up for that game and they fix a lot of these issues that that showed up in Week One. Can we get Joe Barry a, like a Wikipedia account so we can just check out who's a, who, who's on the Bears? We could that probably could do nice. that. We could probably also like get him an NFL Plus and show him some All Twenty Two. I think we could uh, make that happen. Get him a True Media account, a little PFF login for our guy Joe Barry. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Uh, you want to talk about Lamar Jackson, and we yeah, want to talk about the AFC so, North. Yeah, so, well, we haven't gotten to talk since uh, on a podcast forum since the kind of weird announcement on Friday that the, the Ravens... The statement. And, I got an email about it. Yeah, so they, they sent it out. They emailed it. They posted it on their Twitter account that, uh, that they could not reach an agreement. They had kind of set this arbitrary deadline of the Friday before week one to get a long-term contract done with Lamar Jackson. And if they didn't do it by that deadline, um, they would just play out the season and see what happens. So ultimately my takeaway is, well, somebody is going to pay Lamar Jackson. Um, I still hope it's going to be the Ravens. I mean, there's still a lot of, you know, mechanics available to them. They can franchise tag him. And, you know, if Lamar wants to, he could play out the franchise tag similar to the way that Kirk Cousins did it. And then the way Dak Prescott did it. And ultimately those two guys ended up with really, really nice contracts. Um, but I wanted to see now how he played, right? And I think the uh, the Ravens-Jets game was, until Sunday Night Football, maybe the worst game of the day. It just, <laughs> it wasn't, it just wasn't really competitive. I don't really want to spend any time getting into the whole Jets angle of it all. But so, I Scott, Scott Hansen had to do the apologetic inflection when going to one of their touchdowns, saying every touchdown of every game would take you to New York. <laughs> I was I, I was personally offended every time they switched to it when uh, the Jets were on offense. Um, I'm more than happy to watch every time Red Zone wants to switch to when Lamar Jackson sure. and, and the Ravens offense were playing because I was really curious about what is this offense going to look like? Where's Lamar Jackson at? Is this contract stuff going to be a distraction for him? And look, they started a little slow, but then ultimately, um, you know, just blew that game open in the third quarter. You know, I think he had three touchdowns. It was a three touchdowns in the third quarter. I know there were two in a five minute span, both to uh, Devin DuVernay. Um, and then he had that really deep touchdown to Rashad Bateman. And look, I, it wasn't a perfect game from their offense by any means, but you know, Lamar Jackson, I think is going to be one of the defining players of this season. And Correct. his contract situation is going to be one of the dominant storylines of the season, even though they're not actively negotiating right now. Um, it is something that we will be talking about and he will be getting asked about and the team will be getting asked about. And the NFLPA and agents around mm -hmm. the league are going to be getting asked about every single week until 
whatever the next thing is, right? When he gets the franchise tag next spring, yes. whenever that happens. Um, and that's going to be a lot. I want to see how he handles that. I want to see if, you know, who the Ravens are overall, because I, I believe I had them winning that division. And, uh, you know, I think that they're a team that if Lamar Jackson is playing the way that he's capable of, and certainly the way that he played in stretches on Sunday against the Jets. Um, they're one of the best teams in the AFC. So um, I was really excited to watch him. I think it was fun to see kind of their offense developing who their receiver, the receiving options mm-hmm. are going to be. And I think they're going to get better too. So um, that was fun. I also did like the, my only Joe Flacco mention here is uh, after the game, uh, they met on the field, you know, and we were, I was kind of curious, like what their relationship was. Like. I didn't you see know, this. It was, it was a pretty awkward situation after. And it looked like the, the, like the lip reading of it, the, the tweets and stuff after it was that Joe Flacco told him to go win a Super Bowl in his contract year, huh. which I love. So. Wow. Flacco Joe did Flacco that and became did, a very rich man. Yeah. It's, it's elite advice from Joe Flacco. It, it is. Wow. Elite advice giver. Um, I'm intrigued to see this because it has the capability to reset not only quarterback contracts, not only the Ravens salary cap, but also like the structure of yeah. NFL players, because the closer he gets to true free agency, the more we can we can see what a franchise quarterback would be worth if 31 other owners were bidding. And I would think I, I, I got to go through this. We can do this as an exercise about who would be in the bidding for Lamar Jackson. It's probably say 10 to 12 teams would at least make a call and then there'd be four or five teams that actually just try to give him their entire salary cap. Yeah. I mean, if there were, if there were a dozen teams or so that were making at least uh, initial inquiries into Sean Watson, there have to be at least that many, if not more for Lamar Jackson. There were two teams that were prepared to give Kirk Cousins contract to him. Right. And so like, I, I just think that you, and all it takes, my point here is all it takes is two. It only takes two. If it's one. And I don't think, and I actually asked a couple of quarterback needy teams in training camp, whether or not they ever expected Lamar to get to free agency. And they're very pessimistic about it. First of all, you can do the franchise tag. You can basically play out three years on, um, you know, from now uh, using the franchise tags. But also, if Eric DaCosta just throws up his hands and says this is over, she's going to trade him. And then there'll be a, a deal worked out on the front end. Um, and so I don't think that he will ever reach that. But I do think the closer he gets to free agency, the more money will be guaranteed. The union, if you read the report, uh, said that he deserves and is in line for a fully guaranteed contract, probably around 230, although it would go up if he actually re- reached free agency, because by the time he does that, the market would have been moved forward. Um, but this is how you change how payer, players are paid. This is it. There's, there's no other way to do this. And when I talk to like Jason Fitzgerald or any of those guys who are so good on the big picture cap stuff, or even cap guys in the league, they talk about how positions are held up because you know this tight end, I think it was for years, the wide receiver and tight end didn't grow as much as it could have because the guys at the top only took an incremental amount more. For a superstar to say, I'm resetting the market, that's how you move the entire salary structure forward and change the way we think about how, how any veteran is paid. Yeah, because right now, I mean, I think the... I mean, if we we back up six months after the Deshaun uh, Deshaun Watson deal, excuse me, there was a lot of like kind of panic from the league side, from the team side of like, oh shit, what happened to the quarterback market? All of these quarterbacks are going to be demanding fully guaranteed deals from now on. And what we've seen in the couple months since Kyler Murray's deal, Russell Wilson's deal, is that we're not getting the fully guaranteed deal. So the language that you keep seeing is, oh, Deshaun Watson's deal was an outlier. The PA hates that, right? I mean, the PA yes. very much wants fully guaranteed contracts. It's what players want. The, the It's what agents want. It's what the union obviously is pushing really hard for. Lamar Jackson is now their best chance to get that back on track, to get that happening. Mm-hmm. And obviously we're going to mm-hmm. have Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow, and there's going to be other quarterbacks that are coming later. Um, so they really want this to be a fully guaranteed deal. And, you know, just, I guess we can look at the reporting that came out of, it was all out of ESPN yesterday, which was one of those fun, like ESPN on ESPN reporting crimes, where it was Chris Martinson who said that Jackson turned down a five-year, $250 million extension. And then uh, there was further ESPN reporting that the guaranteed amount in that was $133 million. And Lamar Jackson said that he wouldn't specify exactly what it was, but that's a pretty big gap. I mean, if it was only $133 million guaranteed in the offer and Deshaun got $230 million guaranteed, I, we, you can kind of see um, where this is breaking down. Um, but I'm, I'm just so fascinated on how this is going to play out. And I'm thrilled that he played well in his debut. I'm just, it, it was really fun. The little glimpses of it that we got to watch when we didn't have to watch the actual Jets. 
it's as intriguing as anything in, in football right now is, is, is what happens to that team. That's a true contender, like a true contender. They had the Dolphins this week. Yeah, that's going to uh, be a really another, fun game. Another contender. I'm joking. Uh, the, the Dolphins looked okay. The Dolphins looked yeah, okay. Yeah, and they're, look, the, the, the Dolphins' defense is going to give the Ravens different problems than what the Jets yes. were able to do. Their, their, their front seven is a lot better. Their corners are a lot better. Um, I think they played the Ravens really, really well last year as well. So um, I'm, I'm excited now to watch that game next week. The Jets, the Jets have the Browns. Um, I'm going to skip that game. <laughs> All right, let's uh, stay in the AFC North here and go with my Bengals takeaway. Oh, boy. Um, so there's a couple things here. You can play this both ways because they looked awful and they probably were on track to lose the game. The Steelers offense is just real bad. And there were probably about 10 chances for the Bengals to win this game, including a touchdown that Jamar Chase scored and wasn't reviewed by Zach Taylor. And then a touchdown that was scored and then a missed extra point and then a field goal in overtime. Uh, my advice to teams going forward is to not have your long snapper get hurt mid game. Clark Harris should get the MVP award for, uh, for, for successfully, you know, giving snaps to Evan McPherson last year that, that, that allowed him to win those games. Uh, he wasn't there. It was a backup tight end who was a long snapper. This was real bad. So the upgraded offensive line, is going to take more time. Jonah Williams allowed seven pressures. Uh, Volson allowed six, both guys allowed two sacks. The four picks were just awful. Um, one of the Bengals beat writers was going through them this morning. And I, I watched them as well. But uh, the first, the third, and the fourth were pretty much inexcusable. Um, Burrow had four wide open receivers in the first one, threw right into Minka Fitzpatrick. Uh, Cam Sutton got him on the third one. And then just throwing in a double coverage with Tyler Boyd on the fourth one. Just, just not. I mean, Burrow can do that. I wrote a whole story about how he can do that. But he's not Burrow right now. He didn't play in the preseason. And one thing I go back to, Lindsay, is last year we talked after he'd come back from his ACL and it said he said he saw a wall of people in practice. He couldn't use his vision. Vision, as Daniel Jeremiah famously said, is his superpower. And he doesn't have it when he returns. I mean, that's just like, it takes a while. It's like anything. And when you, we, you know, Lindsay, I know you don't write anymore because you're an editor. But like when I, hey, when hey, I hey. write after like six months, I'm just like, wait, how do I, or, you know, when I write an NFL feature after six months, I'm like, well, hey, how do I do this? It's like anything in any job, it takes a little bit. And so for someone like Joe Burrow, where the nuance, he doesn't have the strongest arm. He does not have the strongest arm. So everything with Joe Burrow is nuance. And so somebody, I tweeted this out and somebody was like, oh, you're making excuses for Joe Burrow. Yeah, I am. Because he made the Super Bowl last year. And like, I think that there's this weird cult of like going at people and being like, oh, you can't make excuses for this guy. Yes, I can. I can make excuses for anybody who deserves to be excused. Like Jerry Jones does not get that kind of slack. Joe Burrow does. Trey Lance deserves that kind of slack because a, he played, you know, it wasn't a disaster yesterday and it was a monsoon and it was his first start as the anointed starter. Certain people deserve excuses. Joe Burrow is one of them. Having said that, Mitch Trubisky driving on the Bengals in overtime with like 50 seconds left is a complete disaster. But I, my, I just... <laughs> my Mitchell Trubisky yeah. comeback player of the year take uh, is still alive. I, I, Here we I'm go. happy to report after after one week that that one is still in play. Uh, I, I will take that, but but I think you're exactly right on the burrow uh, the burrow kind of concerns, but also like trying to rein back in the the hot takes and freaking out too much about him um, because he is really one of those like he gets in such a zone, right? And that's what happened yes. late last season where he's so intuitive and he like last year there was. As, as awful as it was to see him get hit as much as he did last year in the postseason, um, he like fed off of it. And that was not yes. happening yesterday. There was almost like this shit's happening again. Like I'm, you're, you're, you're still bringing this kind of pressure. You still can't protect like this. Um, but, you know, I think he's going to figure it out. He's going to get back into his kind of zone. He still looks really skinny. Like we've talked yeah. about. He you lost know, he, a lot of weight. Yeah, I think he's one of these guys. I think he's one of these guys that has to work to keep on weight. And after you have a surgery and maybe some complications after that surgery and your, and your recovery and those sorts of things. But yeah, like I, I want to see him kind of get physically back to where he needs to mm -hmm. be, but then also kind of mentally where he needs to be. And there, you know, it was a disappointing loss, I think for them, um, especially the way that that division I think might shake up. Um, but I think ultimately offensively they'll be okay. I do want that line to get better. 
And I really hope that this is just a, this is a new group and it's going to take some time for them to gel. Because if it's not, then that's disastrous for them because they invested very heavily in rebuilding that offensive line. And you've seen it work other places, right? The Chiefs last year going into week one, we wanted to see how is this offensive line going to work? And now we look at the Chiefs and we're barely going to talk about the Chiefs today because they were so freaking awesome in week one. But the offensive line is not even a question because all of the moves that they made to rebuild that offensive line and better protect Patrick Mahomes worked. So far, we haven't seen that from the Bengals, but it's only been one game. It's also a misunderstanding. They won an overtime week one last year. They lost to the Matt Nagy Bears in week two last year. They lost to the Jets on Halloween. Um, like it was not, they struggled at points last year. That's just going to happen. Like the, the Bengals are not a perfect football team. Joe Burrow is not a perfect quarterback. I just know having not only been around him a little tiny bit, I'm not going to act like we're, you know, I did a, did a, you know, some sort of GQ nine month profile, but like, having been around him a little tiny bit, but more importantly, talking a lot with people at LSU and in Cincinnati who know him, like there's no quarterback, you no young quarterback you'd bet on more bouncing back. And we've already seen that. They made the freaking Super Bowl last year. Um, and so that's why I give him as big a benefit of a doubt as I, as I possibly, possibly can. Um, Do you have any other Steelers, Steelers takeaways? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that Derek, uh, the TJ Watt, the TJ Watt injury, is going to be real bad that they're going to miss him a lot. Well, so he's going to get an MRI later today on Monday. And so we'll see if it's a full tear or a partial tear. I got to tell you, I love, I love the insiders who are like, uh, you know, it could just be a partial tear. Yeah. That's bad too. Yeah. That's not good. Um, either way, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's not which one. The good news is for the Bengals they have the Cowboys this week. Um, the Steelers have the, the Patriots. Patriots. Ooh. The Patriots are somehow fav- initial initially favored in that game in Pittsburgh. So I know this isn't a betting podcast, but I'd like to talk to, it talk can be. to whoever set that line. We can probably get them on. Um, <laughs> let's work. Let's work on that tomorrow. All tomorrow right. Show. We want to talk about the AFC West. Let's talk about that. Uh, let's talk about the Chargers or the Raiders, wherever you want to go. I'm not even. You want to talk about the Chargers, right? Yeah. I mean, well, that was the game. If we want to look up you know, look at the exact matchup. So we had uh, three of the AFC West teams playing in that uh, simultaneously in that late afternoon window yesterday. And like, look, everybody knows I live in Denver. I, I, I the AFC West is near and dear to my heart. So I'm excited. That AFC the, West Homer. I am an AFC West Homer. It's fine. Um, you're like one just, of those SEC. You're like one of those SEC people who's going to chant AFC West in the, in the closing minutes of any yeah, AFC West. Exactly. Win. I mostly it's just that I like having like relevant football, like in my time zone. That's, mm. uh, you know, the, the late after that late afternoon window, the two twenty five mountain time kickoff, like when those games matter. Um, so it was really fun having, um, you know, we've talked so much all off season about how good this division is, all the moves that all the, that all four of the teams made. Um, and honestly, it's, it's, it really lived up to its hype. The chiefs, the chiefs were the best team that played on Sunday. You know, I think the bills, the bills played on Thursday night, so we're not putting them in that conversation, but the chiefs were by far the best team that played um, on on Sunday and they blew the Cardinals out. I think we could have a separate Cardinals discussion, but um, they were great. I mean, Patrick Mahomes looked, I mean, it was as good of a game as we've seen him play. We had a lot of questions about what their offense is going to look like without Tyreek Hill. Week one did not miss Tyreek Hill at all. Part of that might be that the Cardinals defense is a disaster and they were trying to blitz him a lot. It's like they've never watched, um, uh, Patrick Mahomes play before. That's not how you uh, play Patrick Vance, Mahomes. Jo- Vance Joseph is on the. We got. I'm CC. He used to be in the AFC West. I, I'm CCing on my email to Joe Barry where I explain who's good and who's bad in the NFL. I'm CCing Vance Joseph, who blitzed Mahomes on half of his draft dropbacks. It was the first time in his career he was blitzed that much. Are you um, kidding? It, yeah, terrible. Terrible. Like, what have you been doing for the last month? You like game plan for week one for the, like the last three or four weeks. And this was, this was your game plan. One, I don't think the Cardinals have very good players. And two, that was a, a very, very bad plan. But then we, you know, also in that window, we had Chargers Raiders, which is a rematch from week 18. God bless you, NFL schedule makers for giving us that game uh, in week one or this, this rematch in week one, because we really got to see kind of where these two teams are at after both of them made pretty substantial changes in the off season. Um, the Chargers went about completely rebuilding their defense. Uh, Khalil Mack was awesome. You know, I think they, they got a bargain in that trade. I think they didn't have to give up a first round pick to get him. Um, and he had three sacks. Like he was, he was sure great. Did. He was great. And we didn't get to see the completely revamped Chargers defense. Cause JC Jackson was still out. Um, he had, a, I believe it's an ankle that he's been dealing with. Um, 
So at some point, we'll get to see kind of what what they completely envision for Brandon Staley's defense when Jackson comes back. Um, but right now, this was it was much improved. Um, I think they lives only like sixty four rushing yards for the Raiders. You know, a Raiders team who literally ran all over them last year in that Week eighteen game. Um, they just could not get a stop at any point. Um, they just looked much better, much deeper. Um, do we want? I don't know how much we need to talk about the Chargers' offense. Mm. They were they were great. Justin Herbert, still was, good. Justin Herbert, still, still good. good. He's that guy. To I mean, he's for no mistakes, no interceptions, yeah. no sacks, three touchdowns. I think they make the Super Bowl. Day. I'm feeling much better about that than my NFC pick. I'll say that much, even though I still stand by it. Um, I actually, I'm gonna. I told you I was gonna talk about the Chiefs here, and then I I watched more of that game and I studied more of that game, and I got so mad at the Arizona Cardinals that I'm just gonna yeah. flick at the Chiefs very quickly and just say. You know, Vicha told me there's no there's no sense in trying to replace Tyreek Hill, right? That, don't even try it. So have just get MVS and Juju to split his routes and and just do what they do best in Hardman as well. And that's exactly what happened. Um, Schuster had eight targets, MVS had four, Hardman had six. Like that's that's it. That's how you're going to replace Tyreek Hill. Is don't try to replace Tyreek Hill. Good idea. Um, the Cardinals. Nobody had more than two hurries. I don't want to get into game recaps here, but I want to talk about the franchise. Because Josh Weinfist, cover team for ESPN, said that a couple of people afterwards had mentioned practice habits. Marquise Brown, we could definitely practice a lot harder and sharper and treat, treat routes like a game rep, I think was the quote. Um, they've now lost six straight home games. Oops. J.J. Watt, uh, your highest paid guy, $17 million, I think. Out due to a calf injury. He was it was kind of a game time decision, unless it was questionable. Like I have a huge respect for JJ Watt. He's done things in a football field that are unbelievable. But one of the reasons you don't make JJ Watt one of your top paid guys is because he does not he cannot stay healthy that much. And like you take yeah, it's great to take a flyer on that guy. It's it's different to build build a defense around him financially. Okay. Um I'm just they're, the Cardinals are a weird franchise that do weird things. And the more that we reckon with that, the better it will be. We keep saying, well, what about, you know, th- this extension was weird. Well, they do weird things. And so they extended Steve Kyman's Cliff Kingsbury because that's what they do. They put a homework clause with their quarterback in while giving him over $200 million, right? Uh, well, they do that because they're just a strange franchise that doesn't operate like any other franchise. and. I think, I mean, kind of going back to this Cardinals point, excuse me, the Cowboys point, is you you should not be getting blown out in these games. You should be competing with the Chiefs. The whole point of, of, of setting up your system here, if you're Cliff and Kime and you got your players and you did your big trade, the whole point is to not get blown out by the Chiefs. And the idea that, that Vance Joseph just had no idea what to do against Patrick Mahomes, the idea that um, this is this this franchise is nowhere nowhere near where it needs to be. It's hugely frustrating. I couldn't imagine being a Cardinals fan right now because everything there's certain cases like Dave Gettleman and John Gruden, great examples of where like the internet is right. Like the football internet, including myself, we are wrong all the time, all the time. Yeah, but like there are some cases where it's like. Hey man, like I don't know if Dave Gettleman's very good at this. And then every all the Giants fans get all pissed off. Or like uh, Sam Darnold is another one where the kind of football internet was like, eh, I don't know. And Jets fans are like, No, protect Sam. Like you should you should see my mentions from three years ago. Okay, but this is another one where everyone's looking at Cliff and, and Kime and going, Ooh, buddy. And I think the difference is is that I'm not even sure Cardinals fans are arguing. Like I just think they're kind of just like, Man, this sucks. And I know, listen. The, the Chiefs pants everybody. That's what they do. They just beat the shit out of everybody and they may embarrass everybody and they make every defense look like it doesn't know what it's doing. But on the other hand, the whole point of having a second contract quarterback, of having a coach and, and stability and a, a GM where everything is in place is to not get your ass kicked in these sort of games. Kyle, after the game, said they kicked their ass. Like, do something about it, Cardinals. Yeah, I mean, their their entire offseason plan has been confusing, and it wasn't just those extensions. Honestly, the Kyler Murray extension is probably the least confusing of the deal because as we talked yeah, about Yeah, but they, the time, did, like, they did it. Could, they screwed that up somehow. Yeah, of course they From did. an optic yeah. standpoint. They made, uh, they, they, re- they made all of the rumors true about 
yes. the questions about your quarterback. But you had to pay your quarterback because for all the reasons yes. that I was getting to, you don't really have a lot of other choices, right? If you have a quarterback who's even decent, you have to pay him what the market value is. And they did. Um, but you go back to like their free agent moves, which were almost none. Um, their draft decisions were really odd. And they have now several years worth of really strange draft decisions. I've um, noticed. And you, and you just really have to wonder because, yeah, I mean, last December was really, really bad for them. The playoff game against the Rams was as much of a disaster of a postseason game. I mean, there were a couple ugly ones in that first round last year, but that one was really, really bad. And they didn't really look much better. But I want to focus on the positive and the AFC West <laughs> and the Chiefs looking awesome. And I am, I'm not sure if I've been, I can't remember the last time that I was as excited for a Thursday night game as I yes. am for Chiefs Chargers this week because the Chargers look great. Um, you know, the top two quarterbacks by most passing metrics after week one, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert. We're going to get to see them head to head on Thursday night. If you can figure out how to work your Amazon Prime, I would start practicing with that right now so it doesn't hit uh, like 8.15 Eastern on Thursday night and you're panicking because you don't have a Prime login or however that's going to work because that's what you're going to have to do to watch that game. And trust me, you're going to want to watch that game. That's right. Um, because this is, you know, AFC West Championship game preview type of stuff. I mean, oh. MVP race type of preview type of stuff. I mean, if Justin Herbert is going to be the MVP of the league, he's going to have to beat Patrick Mahomes yes. head to head. Um, that's just how this award works. That's just... It, it, Ain't that the truth. Um, do you have any other notes on the Raiders? Um, yeah, well, no, the Raiders and Cardinals play this weekend, this week. Oh, all right. Well, that's it. That's that. That I, that's that, your that thought was going to be my, my my last point was that like the loser of that game goes straight into crisis mode quickly. Yeah, I th I think I'll pick the Raiders. I will too. I think I'll pick the Raiders in that game. I mean, it was not great. I mean, Derek. The Raiders Derek, are a better team, and they have they have a better situation right now. Josh yeah, I mean, Nails is a significantly better coach. I don't even know. Dave Ziegler, the the Raiders GM, but I guarantee you he's a better GM than Steve Kime. So we're we're good here. Yeah, I mean, I think you know for the Raiders there was a lot of like moral victory stuff kind of coming out of their locker room after yeah. the game last night, which you know you never you never really want to see that. But there was a lot of like we're really close and we're not going to hit the panic button, which is typically stuff that teams that are ready to hit a panic button will say. But yes. look, Derek Hart, three interceptions. Devonte Adams was great. Um, and they were still in it. I mean, they were still in it basically until Khalil Mack destroyed de destroyed the game at the end. Um, they had four different offensive line combinations throughout the game, according to, to Sean Reed of The Athletic. That's not great. That's no. that's a problem. I would say that's an issue that they need to get fixed. Um, but right now, AFC West living up to its hype. We'll see what the Broncos do. I'm going to All right. We want to do some quick hits. Uh, sloppy play across the NFL. That's just the product of no preseason, extended season going 18 weeks now, like we're just going to get that. Like this is Sean McVay's league. Now he doesn't play his guys starters in preseason. A bunch of teams are doing that now. Like Joe Burrow didn't play at all in preseason because of appendix surgery. Like we're just going to get sloppy play in September and we're just going to get used to it. And also like 20 million people still watch anytime the Cowboys play. So who cares? Yeah. I mean, offensive line play is always an issue, but I don't know if this is a, a, a necessarily a new thing, but it's no post, um, post 2011 CBA. It's getting, it's gotten progressively worse every year, but it, it 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 ends up being fine for the product. But I would suggest maybe teams figure out a way to at least get your kickers some uh, some scrimmage action <laughs> in the preseason because woof, that was rough. I mean, when people, you're back the the backup long snapper in Cincinnati yeah. might may have gotten some work. Yeah, so it, it was not just Evan McPherson, although you know I I tweeted something about oh kickers or something. Everybody was like, it was the long snapper. And like, yeah, I get it. I get what happened in this isolated situation in Cincinnati. Um, but 10 kickers missed at least one field goal yesterday. The Bears kicker yeah. missed two extra point attempts and didn't even get to attempt a field goal <laughs> because of that really weird uh, towel penalty, uh, which go read Roger Sherman's winners and losers because there's nothing more than Roger that, that Roger likes than getting to write about obscure rules and uh, that weirdness that happened uh, with the Bears the other day. Um, but yeah, kickers yesterday are so far in week one, uh, under 82%, 81, 81.8 uh, field goal percentage, 
so far this season. Last year, it was 85.1, so it's down slightly. Um, also, PATs were down. Uh, it was just bad, right? I mean, it was not just Evan McPherson. It was Rodrigo Blankenship. Uh, it was... Um, God, I can't even. I can't even rate. I think about. If you can name some teams, I could. I could tell you the bad kicker. Um, Uh, Basically, the only good kicker was Cade York from the Bears or from the Browns. Excuse me, their their rookie kicker. He was money. And when I I tweeted to my kickers and and there were Browns fans saying, you know, normally it's us who screw it up, and they were they were the lone exception. What a delightful debut episode this has been, Lindsay Jones. I'm so excited we could do this all year. This this is really fun. Um, We're gonna get to go through all the games. I'm pumped for next uh, next Monday morning. See what our headlines are going to be, our big takeaways. Ooh, all right. Thank you so much. Thank you to Richie Bozik for his production help. Uh, we'll be back on Wednesday with a normal kind of regular thing we'll be doing for years, Slow News Day, with a guest who's never been on, but you know him and love him, and it's going to be awesome. And then we'll be back on Friday for more football talk, uh, kind of like this. This has been Slow News Day on the Ringer Podcast Network. Mm-hmm.